Good morning, everyone. What a delight to be back home, and uh, it was home 32 years ago, and to, to see the, the beautiful new building that the Lord has given you, and uh, it's just such a, a celebration, and for, for me to be your first guest in this new building is quite, quite the honor, I assure you. And the first thing that I thought of as, as Pastor was showing me just through and and seeing the different rooms was everything has been done first class. Aren't you thankful for a church and leadership that's not just going to put up a structure, but if you're going to put something up, make it first class for every age group that will enjoy it. Amen? Such a, such a pleasure. Amen. My beautiful wife sends her love. She normally would, would never miss an opportunity like this to be here at Calvary. This, however, is her mother's 80th birthday, and she uh, flew her to Florida to be in her original hometown to be with her family and friends for probably her mother's last trip of that nature, so it was quite um, an important event for her to be at. So she sends her love to all of you and, and uh, is praying for our services today. I want to also uh, thank the leadership for their friendship as well. You know, Pastor Mark said some very kind things about us and our ministry and our, our lives, but it was here that we were forged because we came here at the ripe age of 21. 21. Was introduced as your new junior high youth pastors. There was about six or seven seventh and eighth graders on Thursday night over in the school on the second floor meeting in the science room. And that was the group we started with. A few months later, we had about 125 seventh and eighth graders packed in a science room and there was no other room for us to go to. So we just kept on having church and, and uh, God just gave us favor and blessing. And, you know, being back tonight uh, for our healing service, don't miss tonight. It'll be one of the most powerful services you'll ever be a part of. As we share our testimony of healing of lymphoma and given three to six months to live and what God did, and someone came to my room the wee hours of a Thursday morning and touched me. I'm going to tell you who was in that room and what happened, and you'll not forget this service. If you know of someone that needs a miracle in any area of their life, they need to be in this service. The only thing that would make a Sunday night like the old times for me, if we had about 50 of the old transitions up here tonight, just a clapping and rocking and rolling and singing, that would really, really make it like the old Sunday nights. But we're going to have a powerful service, so I trust that you'll be with us tonight at 6, and God will help us. And uh, Pastor MC and Mrs. J poured their lives into us. We, we will forever be grateful for their investment. And for Mark and Renee, Mark took me and poured into me and created in me a hunger for revival and how to chase after God. Well, it's, it's still continuing. So your investment was a good investment. And it will never stop until we see as many as we can come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And uh, how many of you are thankful to be a part of something God is doing in these last of the last days that's so very powerful? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Take your Bibles, if you would, please. Let's get into God's Word. And if you'll say a few amens, I can keep this message at about 23 minutes without any trouble. 
But if I have to really, really prime the pump and, and really work extra hard, it will be three hours and six minutes. So you determine the length of the message. Exodus 32, verse number 26 is a verse that the Lord drew me to not long ago that really ministered to me. And the message is entitled, Who is on the Lord's Side? And Exodus 32, 26 says, Then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, Whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. Father, thank you for your word. Give us ears to hear hearts to receive what the Holy Spirit would speak to us today. We thank you in advance for those who will come to know you as their personal Lord and Savior. Those who may be lukewarm will be returned and restored to an effective, up-to-date relationship with you, O Lord. We give you thanks in Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. amen. Well, you may remember or you may not remember what happened on Friday, June the 26th in this nation. It was a day in American history that I will personally never forget that I believe was the day America committed cultural suicide when the Supreme Court of the United States legalized gay marriage. But even more than that, I went back and began to study what happened also on that day on the Jewish calendar. It was during that same month that Israel had built the golden calf. It was also on the ninth day on the Jewish calendar that King Nebuchadnezzar breached the wall of Jerusalem before the city was eventually destroyed. And so as I began to see the parallel of what had happened here on June the 26th and what had happened on the Jewish calendar on the very same day, I was drawn to the classic story, familiar story of the golden calf and how it ties in so much with where we are living and how the Lord is showing himself and revealing himself to people all around the world. Let's go back and just review briefly the story of the golden calf. You will remember that the children of Israel had been in bondage in Egypt for over 200 long, arduous years. God called Moses the deliverer to go and deliver them, and he had told Moses, I have heard my people's cry, and I am about to deliver them. And during their time in Egypt, the Israelites had apparently begun to doubt the existence of the God their fathers worshipped because Moses was anticipating some great challenges and some very hard questions that were going to come from them. So to help Moses prove the existence and power of God, he was given a number of miraculous signs to help the Israelites believe and after all these miracles were done, including the ten plagues on the Egyptians, the Israelites came out of Egypt with a renewed belief in the God of their fathers. They passed through the Red Sea on dry land and then were brought to the mountain of God to receive God's laws. Well, while Moses was up on the mountain in the very presence of God himself receiving the laws of God for the people, the people down on the plain grew very anxious and they, because Moses had spent 40 days upon that mountain, and the people just assumed either he's dead or he's left us here to die in this desert. So they took matters into their own hands, and they went to Aaron, their temporary leader, and asked him, make a God for us to follow. And since they were accustomed to having visual representations of gods, uh, this was the natural but sinful result 
of their thinking. So Aaron took the gold earrings which they had brought out of Egypt and he melted them down and built this golden idol. The idol he crafted for them was a calf. But Aaron tried to maintain the name of the Lord in connection with it. Here's what he was doing. He was merging the pagan practices they were familiar with and the worship of the God that they were just beginning to get reacquainted with. And so Aaron called the people together and told them that this golden calf, this is the God that led you from Egypt. And the people began to rush around that idol, all of them, and began to engage in pagan rituals, including orgies and homosexual activity to worship this new God. Well, God certainly held them accountable for their actions and their corruption. And God was prepared to destroy them for their sin, but it was the intercession of Moses that withheld the wrath of God's hand. It was his personal intercession on behalf of his people to save them. But as with any other sin, the punishment is death and the only proper response is repentance. Moses called for those who were on the Lord's side to come stand with him. I I went that day, I was reading this story and just get reacquainted with all the details again. And I went there in the theater of my mind and I saw, I can see as Moses is coming down with the tablets, he's got the laws of God and he's coming down the side of the mountain and those that met him a portion of the way and brought him down, they, they all began to hear the sound of this celebration what they thought was. And they said, maybe that's, that's the sound of victory. Or others said, it, it could be the sound of defeat. And Moses answered as he's walking down the side of that mountain and he hears the reveling around the golden image. He said, this is not the sound of victory, nor is it the sound of defeat. This is the sound of idolatry. And when he got down and could see for the first time what really was happening, He had no other response than to just make this declaration. Who's on the Lord's side? Come stand with me. The Bible says the Levites came and gathered all around him and the others remained in their consistent behavior and in their worshiping of this idol. They were told that those that persisted in the idolatry were to be slain and 3,000 men were killed that day. The next day Moses went up and confessed the people's sins before God, asking for his forgiveness. And these were the same ones on the verge of entering the promised land who would deny God's promises and be sent to the wilderness to die for their sins. But their children would be the ones to receive God's promised blessings. Now when I went back and just recapped that story, Here's what the Holy Spirit made clear to me, that even though we might justify our actions through reason or logic, if we are violating God's clear commands, then we are sinning against him. And we are sinning against him and what he has uh, purposed in his word, and uh, he will hold us accountable for our sins. But aren't you thankful that that's not where it ends? Because Jesus came and satisfied the justice of God and shed his pure spotless blood. And now we have direct access to the very throne of God through the blood of Jesus. And Jesus said to us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. Aren't you thankful that he made a way where there was no way? 
But we're living in a culture where people don't want to admit their sins and people surely don't feel they should be held accountable for their sins. This is the culture of passing the buck. It's because of my boss that I'm this way. If I hadn't have married him or her, I wouldn't have turned out like this. If life would have been a little more fair for me, I wouldn't be in the shape I'm in now. And we're always looking to someone or something to blame for where we are. But ladies and gentlemen, nine times out of ten, we get to the place that we may find ourselves because of very unwise decisions that we make in our life. It's true. I can't get through this message for all the amens that are being said because it's so loud here. <laughs> but we, we're in a time where churches and, and pastors and all of us as his people must awaken from slumber because today there are many who are preaching convictionless faith and the preaching that we're using isn't working because we are fearing man more than we are fearing God. But God has made it clear that if we will fear him and not fear man, and if we please him, then we will have everything that he has promised to his people. Something is happening that we're all seeing the Antichrist, the spirit of the Antichrist is at work today. We are having Christians, thousands upon thousands, that are being given the ultimatum daily. You renounce your faith or you will be killed. And many are being told this. In fact, we just returned a few weeks ago from Germany and we're going back December the 8th to plant a church near the, across the street actually from one of the refugee crisis centers in Gießen, Germany, north of Frankfurt. When we were there, the church had asked us, we'd been there several times before and we'd done the, the revival type setting, soul winning crusades, people being saved and believers being baptized in the Holy Spirit and so forth. This time they said, would you all come and do a marriage retreat for us? Because in Europe, family values are just disintegrating. And would you consider that? And so we said, we'd be delighted. So Susie and I go and we're doing this four-day marriage retreat and we're tag teaming, I'm speaking, she's speaking. And, and uh, we're in a session where I'm speaking to the men and then uh, uh, related to, to subjects specific for the men, she is doing the same to the lady. So I pass the baton to my wife. And right when she starts teaching, she said the Holy Spirit just arrested her and said, give an altar call for salvation right now. And here we are in a marriage seminar, a marriage retreat. And here comes this altar call. And I knew for her to do this at this point of the service, the Holy Spirit really must have been dealing with her heart. Well, obviously he was because when the altar call was given, two Syrian Muslim refugees who had slipped into that service were just waiting for an opportunity to give their lives to Jesus Christ. And they lifted their hands and they came. And I never will forget the joy of hugging those brothers who had never known anything but Islam. They had never heard the story of Jesus and his shed blood and the resurrection of our Savior. And here they come to know Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And just three weeks ago on Facebook, the missionary sent me the picture of him baptizing them and some of their friends already in water who had come to know Jesus Christ. But here's what we don't realize and here's what we won't see on the news tonight. God is doing something not only all over the world, but even among Muslims, he is revealing himself and he is showing himself strong. In fact, these two that were saved in our service and now there have been many more even since, these two men 
uh, were at a coffee bar there in Germany with a former uh, special forces military, retired military man who was witnessing to them. And in this coffee bar, he said he was going through the story of Jesus with these men. And when he was going through the part where Jesus was shedding his blood and was going to the cross to die for our sins, and he was in the part of the story where the veil in the temple was rent in two from top to bottom. And when he's going through this story, this old German coffee bar had a piece of glass all along the back of it, uh, a mirrored glass that had been there for decades and decades. And when he said the veil was rent in two, all of a sudden it sounded like a shot going off. And from the top of that mirror to the bottom, it cracked and it broke in two. And these two Muslims looked at him with their eyes wide open and says, uh, even Allah can't do that. And it was his witness to them and the revealing of Jesus in that simple sign for them to break and crack that mirror in half that caused them to be at our service three days later and as soon as there was an altar call given, they could not wait to be introduced to Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, friends, this is an exciting day. But there is a genocide of Christianity taking place all over the world. And according to the Bible in 1 John chapter 2, at the end of time, the spirit of the Antichrist will be embodied in an influential international leader who will engineer Satan's final onslaught against Christ and his people just before Jesus reestablishes his kingdom on the earth. And there are signs of the spirit of the Antichrist who is alive and at work in the world today. Number one, there will be an activity of evil powers throughout the world and they will increase until they reach its, their climax in the complete ridicule of and disregard for any standards and commands held sacred in the word of God. That's according to 2 Thessalonians 2, Matthew 24 and Luke 18. Then there will also be a falling away in these last days under this spirit of the Antichrist. That means there will be a departure or abandonment from biblical truth. Many within the professing church will depart from biblical truth. And both Jesus and Paul paint a dismal picture mentally, morally, spiritually, and doctrinally as the present age closes in Matthew 24, 1 Timothy 4, and 2 Timothy 4, because Paul in particular stresses that churches in the last days will be invaded by godless elements. And this falling away within the church world will have two dimensions. There will be a theological apostasy. What does that mean? There will be a falling away or a departure from and the rejection of part or all of the original teachings of Jesus Christ. False leaders will offer salvation and cheap grace while ignoring Christ's demand for repentance, separation from immorality, and loyalty to God and his standards. False hope that centers on human activity and goals of self-interest will be the popular message even from some churches that will come in these last days. Then there will be a moral apostasy that will happen before our eyes. It is the severing of one's saving relationship with Christ and the return to sin and immorality. Some leaders may proclaim right doctrine yet abandon God's moral laws and standards of righteousness. Aren't you thankful that God gave us a standard of righteousness? 
He gave us a blueprint. He gave us a compass. He gave us the ability to build our lives on something that will never fade away, that will never grow out of date, that will never uh, not do the job. He gives us the compass, the blueprint of his word. And many churches in the last days will tolerate almost anything for the sake of numbers, money, success, and honor. But I'm thankful that I heard the gospel of the cross when I was a little boy with its call to suffer in Philippians 1, to radically renounce sin in Romans 8, and to sacrifice for God's kingdom and to deny oneself will be unpopular, but it is still the way that God commands us to come to him and that we will repent of our sins, we will make him the Lord and Savior of our heart and life and serve him and live for him with passion all the days of our life. I'll never forget, Susie and I were in the great city of Rome where we have been 25 times and through the church we have worked with the last 25 years, the Lord has allowed us to plant 64 churches in Italy alone and over 100 churches in surrounding European nations. It's just been one of the greatest joys and privileges of our ministry. And um, I'll never forget back in May, we were there celebrating with the church that we started with 25 years ago. They were in a rented, dingy, dark, damp building in downtown Rome, and there was a handful of them. Now they've grown to hundreds and hundreds, and then they've multiplied themselves over so many times. Here we are as their special guest, helping them celebrate the 25 years of their existence. While we're there in that celebration, an American missionary, along with others that were there with us at a particular table, leaned over and he said, Mark, just over your right shoulder on the first row of the bleachers, we were in a rented semi-pro basketball arena uh, that they had rented for that day's celebration. He said, there's a couple from Iran that are here visiting with us. They attend my church. He said, I want you to meet them before we leave today. And so I glanced over my shoulder and I saw this handsome young couple sitting there on the front row and I was anticipating that, that meeting. He said, let me quickly tell you what happened. He said, the way they got to my church is a very unusual story. They ran for their lives when his father and mother, brothers and sisters, family, they meet every Sunday in Tehran at his father's house. They are believers and followers of Jesus, and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And he said, they meet in his father's apartment every Sunday to worship, to encourage one another because of the obvious surroundings. And they, they work at memorizing this book from cover to cover, knowing that at any moment, the privilege of having a Bible in their hands and in their possession could be taken away. Isn't it something that many American Christians don't even crack their Bible open? They collect dust and we've got numerous volumes and yet here's a family that knows the preciousness of this word and spend weeks out of their year just bringing to memorization the commands of Jesus. And he said that this couple, for the first time in a long time, were not there that Sunday. There was business they had to take care of. They helped their father run a business, and they were gone. So the other family members were there. Someone blew the whistle. The Iranian authorities burst down the door and came in to that, that private meeting in his house and arrested every one of the family members from the youngest to the oldest and hauled them off to jail. 
word got to somehow, probably social media or whatever, to this couple, the oldest son of this father, and said, they are looking for you. They are searching the city for you. You'll never be able to return. Try to flee the country if possible. All they have is what they're wearing. What little they may have in their pockets, that's all they have. They can't go back and hug and kiss their family goodbye. They can't go back and say anything, do anything, pack a bag, get a few belongings, nothing. They go to a Christian travel agent they knew of, and they go into her office, and she was able to somehow, by God's help, get them a visa to Italy. And so they're literally, they literally have minutes, not, not hours, not days, but minutes to get to that airport and get on that plane, and by God's grace, they did. And they didn't go to Italy. They went to Germany first. And for three months, they are in a refugee camp in Frankfurt and uh, just going through the, the process. They have nothing. Uh, they can't do anything. They really can't go anywhere. What food they eat, the government drops off uh, at the doorsteps of, the, of, of that camp. And uh, they, they can't work. They can't do the things they were used to doing and uh, no other clothing. They get a few euros uh, a day to, for, for, for public bus transit or the metro or something. That's it. And uh, they get to Germany, and they're there for this longest time, what seemed to be an eternity. Finally, the German government says, your visa is for Italy, not for Germany. And they sent them to Italy. And there, through social media, they found a church like Calvary Church. And they came and they attended. The wife could speak just a little bit of English. The husband, of course, only Arabic. And they came in and the missionary said when they walked in, he said, I saw them take a deep breath and lift their hands before they even found a seat. And the tears just began to roll down their cheeks because they were in the presence of the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, don't ever take for granted what Pastor... Mark Jay was saying a moment ago, this church is practicing the presence and power of God. This church has been built and set in this beautiful and perfect location in this city to be a beacon on a hill, to be a lighthouse that shines to people that are searching, that are to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And I have been praying for weeks that many today will come to know the Lord as their personal Lord and Savior. It'll be the greatest decision you'll ever make in your entire lifetime. And all of a sudden, this couple gets plugged into a church. They are still there. And when we had the privilege of meeting them, we had about 600 euros left over from our trip that we were just going to apply to the one the next month. And Susie said, how many do we have? And I said, I think we've got about 600. She said, let's give it to them. They haven't seen any, any money in, in months. And so we gave that little offering to them. Hopefully they could do some things, buy some clothes or something they have not had in, in months. And it was just the privilege of seeing them, meeting them, hearing their story. And here's what they said to us before we left that I've never heard and most of us have never heard words like this. But he, through his wife interpreting to us, said, tell them to pray for us because we will never be able to go back home. We will never be able to see our family and our friends and our loved ones ever again. When we came to Christ, we knew years ago that it's all or nothing. And you know the same message the Holy Spirit is bringing to us in this day. 
Because the fact is this, Christians are more to blame for not being revived than sinners are for not being converted. And the, the bride, the church, has to come out of her hiding and be the church he's called us to be and manifest the presence and power and goodness of God through our lives to others because the, the, every imaginable spirit is manifesting in the world and so should the church be manifesting the glory and the goodness of God every day through our lives. I'm closing in just about one minute. If revival depended on you, you personally, your prayers, your faith, your obedience, your attendance, your giving, would your church ever experience revival? Here's a question. When, revival, when may revival be expected? Well, Billy Sunday said, when the wickedness of wicked grieves and distresses the Christian, then revival will happen. True revival means a revolution, a, a casting out of the spirit of, of the world and selfishness and putting God and his love on the throne of your life. We're in desperate need for a revisitation of God's spirit in our nation, in our world. And many churches are specializing in self-help conferences, but revival still necessitates repentance. Revival still calls us to come with a brokenness and bear our soul at the altar of God and say, God, forgive me of my sins, my indifference, my, my coldness of heart toward the things of God and, and put a fire down. This, this fire I learned right here. This was the fire I learned at 21, 22, 23 years of age. I learned it here. It was lived out before me from this man and, and, and his family, his parents pastoring this great church. I learned it here, and I have continued to fan that flame for 32 years. And it will never die as long as you keep fanning the flame of personal revival. And the latest rulings by the Supreme Court that I mentioned at the beginning, that's not what the message was about, but I will say the latest rulings by the Supreme Court on June the 26th, 2015, simply demonstrates the gross loss of influence by the church upon its culture. So God's calling us to be his church, to go into the highways, the byways, the hedges, compel them to come in. Let me ask you, who have you led to Christ lately? Who's your most recent convert? As we had the joy of speaking to Calvary's men yesterday morning, who is your apprentice? Who's under your wing? Who are you pouring into and who is pouring into you with the accountability of following hard after the Lord so that this spirit of the Antichrist does not detour us and pull us away from our primary goal, and that is our faith in Jesus Christ no matter what. I'm going the distance. Our marriage is going to go the distance. We celebrate next month 34 years. We're not going to visit any attorneys. We don't need them. But if we'll stay at the altar of God and stay humble and continue to live in this revival vein, God will continue to grow this family, our children and our grandchildren to have influence in this culture. But you've got to make up your mind. Who's on the Lord's side? And here's what's crazy, the, the, the question that Moses asked all those many years ago, the Holy Spirit is now like a trumpet saying, who is on the Lord's side? So every head is bowed for a moment and every eye is closed. And I want to ask this very important question. Maybe you've never made Jesus Christ your personal Savior, but today you have the opportunity 
to make Jesus the Lord of your life. I've never met anyone who's made Christ their Lord ever, ever say I regretted that decision. But everyone I have spoken to, the thousands and thousands that I've seen come to Christ, they all have said it was the greatest decision ever made in my life. If there's anyone here today who can just say, Mark, I'm not living for the Lord. I'm not where I should be today. I know there's sin in my heart, my life, and I need the Lord to wash that and, and, and clean that out of me and, and, and restore me today to the right relationship. If that's you, would you just quickly slip up your hand? No one's going to embarrass you. No one's going to ask you to say anything. Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? Quickly. Thank you, sir. This is a very important question. Who's on the Holy Spirit's asking you? Thank you, son. I see your hand. Who's on the Lord's side? And the Lord is saying, if you're on my side, you come. Thank you, ma'am. You come and stand with me. It's so important. Thank you, sir. I, I did this. I made this decision that some of you, have, many of you have already made this morning. I've never regretted it. My life will never be the same because of what Jesus has done in my heart and in my life. Is there anyone else? Last time, last time, anyone else, just by slipping up your hand, can say, when you pray, pray for me. Thank you, ma'am. I see you. Thank you. I see your hand. This is what we prayed for, church. This is what I've been praying for for weeks, a harvest, a harvest of so thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. I want to ask you to do one other thing. I believe it's very important. I believe that if you really meant business, and I know that you did, would those of you who lifted your hand, would you come and stand here with me and let me pray for you? And Pastor Mark J. will give us instructions in just a moment. Would you come on? If you lifted your hand, quickly step out from where you are. No one's going to embarrass you. Come on, church. Encourage them. Amen. Stand right here with me. 